Mommy's Podcast. It's called A Slice of Paradise. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy it. Or, or. Hey everybody, welcome back to Flipping Tables with Kara and Shelly, and this is episode number five. The name of this one is going to be Who Sits at Your Table. This is just an episode of reflection, really. Just making yourself aware of who else is sitting at the table that has been flipped with you. Jesus came in, he flipped the table, we had that one first. Times have gone on, Chad kind of touched over coming to the table as we are, not having to clean it up. Last week, we really talked about how Jesus is at the head of our table, but now who else is at that table with us? And um, I can come to you with total transparency and tell you my fingernails are bit completely off um, because I'm so excited for what this is. I'm more nervous for what this episode is, if I'm being honest, because of the guests that we have here. So um, if I can introduce you to my husband, Wesley Zan, I um, asked him to come on. And when he first, I first asked him, it wasn't this pleasant conversation. He thought that I asked him out of default, honestly. Oh. Yeah, it was nasty. It really was. And uh, he's just like, you know, that's not my deal. That's your deal. Babe, like, go with your deal. I support your deal. But that's, no. Nah. And then uh, I did the whole, you know how we do? People were like, oh, just go pray about it. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And he did pray about it. And he's here today. So this has been a long time coming, something that I'm excited for. And so we got to get rolling. Yeah, I'm real excited. So um, one thing I want to say about Wesley is Shelly and I had this stirring in our heart like July. Mm-hmm. It was July because it was before Mitchell's birthday. And um, we had a, a youth lock-in. When was that? Late August. Mm-hmm. And Shelly and I had been talking privately about what we thought this was going to look like, what we wanted to cover, um, what God had been laying on our hearts. And we had told no one, no one, not a soul. And Friday night of the youth lock-in, it's Wesley's turn to speak. And it's the beginning of this powerful weekend. And I could go on for days about all the great things that happened that weekend. But it's Wesley's turn to speak. He gets up in front of all the youth and all of the adults in the room. And he begins to talk about the importance of who sits at your table. And... um, I looked at Shelly. Of course, she looked at me. We were just, like, stunned at that point because that was just confirmation for us that this was something that we needed to really give some thought to, give some prayer to. Um, so it was a no-brainer for me. Whether it was out of default or not, it never was. <laughs> yes. Because you were coming on whether you were ready or not. That's right. So um, I want to talk a little bit about not only we, – we talked last week about God being at the head of our table, but there's a lot of seats at our table, and some tables are – heftier than others and some tables have very few seats but um there's a lot of seats and each seat kind of holds a different weight and has a different responsibility and that can be filled by different people in our lives where in your life did you learn or when in your life did you learn the importance of who sits at your table and why that's huge for you okay i would say uh it was actually two years ago um that was February, the weekend of Valentine's in February during the huge snowstorm. We were, I was invited to go to uh, outside of Lubbock, Texas, to what they call Walk to Emmaus. 
Um, and it's definitely a God, God story because I got hired from Farm Bureau, Texas Farm Bureau. And when we get hired from Texas Farm Bureau, you go to uh, Waco and you uh, do training with other people that have also got hired on the same time with you. And I met a boy named Brandon Burris. And he is the one who, um, after several years of friendship, asked me to go to a walk to Emmaus. And that's where my life was changed forever. That's where I was introduced to a relationship with Christ instead of just knowing who he was. Um, and it's so funny, whenever we started planning on this, I thought about, I thought about that weekend, those three days when I spent there, and it was also at a table. It was a table of six of us. We had one leader. The leader, um, and I will I'll get I'll get emotional about it because it was it was a it was a crucial time in my life where it changed forever and it changed my kids' lives, mm-hmm. uh, it changed my wife's life, um, it changed everybody around us. So I will get emotional about it. Um, but the table leader, he was a Christ-centered man, and he was completely normal. And I just thought normal as in what though? Like- normal as tell jokes and you know he was uh, yeah he was relatable man and he and 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 that's what got me you know we we'd be standing up singing worship music and not singing and i'm just sitting there being my old normal sober self quiet (laughs) and you know and he would reach over and he'd nudge me and it was just over time um watching these men uh just keep pouring love into me i understood what it was to to uh, be a Christ-centered man and and understand what the love of Christ was really about. But it is funny because it started at a table there also. So after I came home from that, I feel like we made some radical changes um, in our life, in our house, uh, in our church, in our community. They, they, They grew on after that. But I would say that our table was flipped in and the people... I feel like our table was flipped and it was empty seats around us, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had to figure out where we needed to fill those at. Um, and of course, the head of our table, if, I like to look at it literally as our kitchen table. And so our kitchen table is sitting there and of course we have Jesus at the head of the table. Um, if he's not the head of the table, your table is needs to be rearranged. Right. Um, and then of course, right next to Jesus is me and Shelly across from each other. Um, because I want to be able to see her, I want to be able to see her eyes, I want to see her emotion um, as we speak and pray about things. And and after that, um, it's going to go to very spiritual, uh, mature couples. Just because we are a married couple, um, that's where I like to, you know, want to talk to people who are married and spiritually mature. And, and that goes from pastor... Um, to people in our family, to worship leaders at our church. Um, and that first table gets pretty small after that. Mm-hmm. I like to have two tables. I want to have one table when I have a spiritual problem and a spiritual question. I have people that I can connect to, <clears throat> relate to, and ask a spiritual question and get and receive a spiritual answer that's been prayed about. Right. I have a second table, and it is come on, come all. Come see what this is about. Mm -hmm. Come see the peace and joy that I have now compared to what I did have at one time. And and that table is is 
full of anybody who wants to come. You know, and I love the Zach Williams songs. Um, come to the table. Come to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch the live version, he explains <laughs> the table. And it is. It is just like he explains. That table, if you could ever think of a table that's never ending, right. that's the table that we need to have mm-hmm. because we need to try to bring as many people as we can to Christ. And when we get, when we get to heaven, that table, when we're sitting at that table, it's as long as you could ever think. Right. You know, you can't see the end of it. And so that that's my two tables from my perspective. I want to touch on two things you said. One that I loved, um, that you noticed that your table was empty right after the flip. And that has been huge in um, my life as well. I've definitely had times of... I don't know. I was troubled about it because I felt like God was taking away what I thought was so good. But the the truth is, is he was clearing out things that just weren't going to fulfill me in this season yeah. of my life and filling it with something way better. Yeah. And so um, I think we can get really discouraged in the times when we feel like our table is empty and we don't really have anyone around us who are understanding us or, you know, with us. But it's, it's a sign that God, I mean, he promises that he's going to provide. And so he brings people in the right season at the right time to, to fulfill us and to benefit us um, in the ways that we need it. And that's the whole, like everything that you just said reminds me of the verse about pruning. Yes. You know, like I'm going to prune. Okay. I'm going to cut back, <clears throat> but it's all so that it can come back and it can grow and it can flourish. And I think that's how a lot of us feel in that time, because whenever I first started this podcast journey without even wanting to say the word ministry, it's I still don't. Yeah. It's a heavy word for me. But a lot of the people that I thought were going to be gung ho with this thing yeah. are nowhere to be found. And I don't hold that against anyone. And I hope anyone doesn't hold it against me. But I, you just see that your table changes. I think that who's at your table can change for a season. Right. Some might pass away. You might move. You know, the intimacy and what that is. I think the pruning verse is so huge, though, because you think about the, the, the fact that what was pruned, what is pruned, had purpose before. That's right. Like, it held major purpose. It was a part of that plant, a part of that tree. And it's pruned, and that grows, that gives growth to more, better mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I also love, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, on the pruning verse, I know I, in my Bible, I have wrote next, it's wrote next to it. That's a never-ending cycle. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't get to prune one time and then where you feel comfortable, you stay. Right. You know, it's a never-ending cycle on that pruning and, and letting new people in because sometimes when you prune, you, you prune good as well because that good person has to go share at their own table. Right. You know what I mean? They. Ouch. How mm-hmm. could it ever keep growing if they just stay at your table? You know what <clears> I mean? It, I like to say this too. At my small table everybody at that table i feel like goes home and has the same table right you know what i mean my pastor and his wife are right next to jesus and then they have mm-hmm. their spiritual mature people right next to them but it's different people but each one of those people at my table i feel like they have the same exact table at their house and i love to think about and i know this because i know you um but the Wesley at the second table and the Wesley at the first table are the same Wesley. Yeah. Just because the table is different doesn't mean that the Wesley changes. Yeah. Um, the people around it definitely change and the uh, goals definitely change. But you are constant. You stay the same. And that's a blessing in itself. The fact that we know we know who we're getting with. We know who yeah. we're getting when we, when we get with Wesley. And there's so many things that you cannot... 
You can't explain salvation. You can try to explain how great it is, but you can't explain to somebody until they actually go through it. It's one of the, it's one of those you can't explain the love for your child until you have a child. Right. Mm. You, you can think you know what it's going to feel like, but you don't know. Same way with salvation. It's the same way um, in Psalms one thirty three one. You know, I, that's the verse that I just want to kind of reiterate about my table is how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And you can read that verse to people, but if they don't have that table at home, mm-hmm. they, they don't know what it feels like until they actually go through it. When your conversations change, yeah. your motives change. Yeah. Your grace that you give to each other yes. changes because the love at the table is totally different mm-hmm. because it's a Christ-centered love. That's right. Mm-hmm. That means the mercy you have to each other it's not like the same as it would, you know. Mm-hmm. The severity of what goes on at that small table is extremely important. They're hard conversations. Yeah. It's not just patting each other and loving each other and encouraging each other. And it's, it's the hard stuff. And it's not always sitting around reading scripture either. It's mm-hmm. getting in, and that's a huge part of it. But it's getting into, just like you said, uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And us talking about what our motives are, where they should be, lining it up with the scripture. Um, I didn't have that until a year ago ish correcting one another yeah calling it out when you see it yeah and saying no you're better than that yeah god's word says this i also uh, you talked about couples because we are married obviously and when you get it if i were to get advice from a woman who might be spiritual she might be a sister in christ to me super deep with her but she's not married her advice and discernment to give to me or encourage me might be different because she doesn't have She's not in a covenant with the helpmate like I am. Mm-hmm. So that's... She's not in the same season. Yeah, right, yeah, right. It's yeah. nothing... It's nothing... Ag- sure. It's not saying that they're not spiritual. It's not saying that they're not in the Word. It's just... It should be verses that they read and verses that they're implying in their life are probably different than what me and you are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In some instances. And that's all... You know, that's how mm-hmm. I see it too. So we know that the Wesley at this table and the Wesley at this table is the same Wesley. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Wesley that people may have known from pre-table flip mm-hmm. and what we know about that. <laughs> uh, I grew up here in Bremont my whole life, a little town. Uh, I grew up Catholic my entire life. And uh, nothing wrong with the Catholic religion. Uh, I got some good things out of it. I was... It was hammered on me to go to church every Sunday, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of times I went to church and not getting much out of it. And that could have been my own fault and where I was at in my life at that time. Um, but I just didn't know a lot of a lot of things about the Bible. This is a funny story. I'm not going to get too much off, off of schedule here, but... The, the we don't song, have a schedule. The song, the song Rattle. Yeah. This is how Bible illiterate I was. Whenever that song starts, I didn't know what he was talking about. It did not click that he's talking about Thursday. Saturday yes. was silent. Yes. Surely it was three. Didn't even have a clue until after the walk to Emmaus. And I, I love that song. That was one of the songs that... One of my mentors um, and great, great guys, uh, I'd rather hear him singing any day of the week than Elevation Worship. Um, 
but it's just it's funny that you know how yeah. how things reveal themselves after after you you get closer on your walk so anyways long story short I didn't have a lot of biblical knowledge to imply to my life. Now, a lot of people at my age, no matter if they have the biblical knowledge or not, they're not implying it anyways. But I had zero. Mm -hmm. And it's just where we grew up, there was things that were important and there were things that weren't important. Um, If you played sports, had a good time and partied, and if you were Catholic, uh, those things reigned hierarchy mm-hmm. at our school and in our community. And um, and I fell into that trap. Uh, I loved the acceptance and the popularity from people. And once I got older, I was quiet and shy um, until I put a little alcohol in my system. And I learned that people really loved me after I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I did, really loved you. Oh you yeah, I that. loved myself too. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. There was no humility um, back then in that day, and uh, and I manipulated a lot of people um, in those times to for my own good. And what I mean by that is, I I, I wasn't super awesome at sports. I wasn't you know, super smart, didn't go to college, didn't finish college, but I did know one thing. Um, and this is, and it's, it's so bad to say, and I, I just want to apologize before I even say it, but there was two things that I knew and I knew I became somebody that everybody liked when I drank and, um, females loved the way that I looked. And I, use that to my advantage in so many bad ways. Um, and I led a lot of people astray that way as well because guys thought what I was doing was cool. And so um, so they would go with me and we would do whatever we did as groups and I was the lead of that group. I was the lead of that table. Um, and I'd, I do, I mean, I'd, I'm so glad that God looked out for me and he had the grace on me um, and for me to be sitting right here right now because I would have never, I wouldn't have even thought two years ago because it it wasn't a gradual change. I mean, even after me and you were married, I wasn't, you know, the best person to be around. I wasn't the best husband. I wasn't the best parent. Um, But whenever I met my Lord and Savior in a relationship form, that's when it changed for me. I think in uh, Ricky's episode, we talked a lot about the veil and all the veils in our own lives and things that we allow to stand between us and God. And I'm thinking about your table back then, and I knew you. Um, But I was thinking about, like, what word, what, um, it's not necessarily a person, but what action do you think was at the head of your table? And I really think that we could all say that at a time in our lives, the thing that we put at the head of our table was our veil. Yeah. That was what was at the head, and so that just came yeah. full circle so for me. Big. For sure. Yeah, that we put attention and mm-hmm. shame and all the things at the head of our table, and that's what controlled all of our choices. That was our motives. Um, so for you, it may have been attention or whatever yeah. in that moment. The way that you you felt it was um, 
like instantaneous change for you yeah, when was. you would get drunk. It was. You it didn't was have inst- to be the, the Wesley that you knew you were. Mm-hmm. But we validate sin because he was still a good guy. That's yeah. right. Right? Yeah. He still held a great job, <clears throat> yeah. made good money, was noble, went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. He was a good man before he was a godly man. Yeah. And that's what I want for people not to separate yourself of like, oh, well, I don't do that. Yeah, but you do something because guess what we all do? <laughs> yeah. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, right? So you need to put yourself in that and say, okay, let me examine myself at my table and who's here with me right now, today. In your car, running on the track, wherever you're listening, that's what this episode is for. That's right. And the good man compared to a godly man, uh, and man, it's so funny. Because whenever I was taking notes, for whatever reason... God just led me to talking about uh, manipulated Bible verses. Bible verses that people manipulate mm-hmm. to make it sound really cool at that time. Right. Uh, Philippians 4.13, um, whenever uh, it says in the Bible, for a woman to submit to their husband. Mm-hmm. Read the whole chapter, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's so, But good and godly are so close. But man, you need to take an O out there, because you don't need to be a good man. I, I learned in a lot, a lot of instances that a good man, um, about got me divorced. You know, being a good man in a lot of people's eyes and society's eyes, um, I'm sure I could think of several situations where it easily could have got me killed. Right. You know what I mean? I mean that we take good man to a to a different scenario when it should be godly man. Good man doesn't mean you're going to church every Sunday. How do you know what a godly man is, though? You read your word. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you don't know what you don't know, guys. That's right. You don't know what your grandpa told you or your mama told you or your aunt told you. You know what the word of God says. In order to be a godly Christ follower, disciple of Jesus, you have to know what he says is 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 right mm-hmm. and just that to create righteousness in you. And I think that... I mean, I say this because I was married to both of these people. Sure. And you just didn't know. Mm-mm. You weren't didn't a rebellious. Clue. Didn't know he thought what he was doing was right. And I did too. Yeah. I was not innocent in that. And I oh. like to be right. And so it took, it no. was going to take more than her to get me persuaded mm-hmm. to do different, you know. And that's where, that's where God stepped in through uh, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 men all together in the same group just having a good time. And I think so easily we can think, well, when when we're challenging our listeners, okay, you've got to get in the Word. You've got to know what it says is right. You also need to know what it says about who you are, about who you are, how loved you are, how valued you are in Christ. And so earlier you said, you know, when we're in these circles, we're at these tables that are spiritual tables, we get to love differently because we know the Christ-like love. When you realize how loved you are and what that love feels like and what the love is that he talks about that he did for us, then you can love others differently. You can love your wife differently. You can love your kids differently. You can love people who look differently differently, mm-hmm. um, who do different things than you or things that you used to do. You can still love them. It's yeah. not like we're exiling every part of our life. No. You know, That table, that second table, is ever you know, stretched. So we still have seats at the table for those people, mm-hmm. but it's a 
it's an exploratory table. It's a, come see what this looks like. Let me plant these seeds for you. For sure. Let me just talk about what God's done in my life. Yeah. So as much as it's fire and brimstone, yes, this is what the Bible says we need to do and what is right. It's also, yes, this is what the Bible says we are. And give yourself grace on the days that you are a good man, but not a godly man. Yeah. That's the thing is when you realize the grace that you have had to receive, it humbles you to go to the throne of God and say, help me give grace to the ones that need it just like I need it from you, Lord. Yeah. But until you know him, you don't know that. And even by knowing him is how these scriptures and the word that he gives us comes to life because that's where the discernment from the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit is a key factor that I think, I know for me, I knew Jesus and God for a really long time, but the Holy Spirit, that's the one that I think we don't um, access. And he's the one that's in us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Part of the deity. And that's, you know, that's where I open my Bible to just because that's, I knew who God was. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I knew who that, I knew who he was. And I heard about him all the time, but I didn't know him. And that Holy Spirit is what changed that. that that's what was the flipping of the table for me. Right. That is what cleared the room. All right, Shell, we need to start over. You know, and it was the Holy Spirit who spoke through two men in particular seven hours away during a snowstorm. Um, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me through those two men, and I understood right then what a good godly man was all about and I want to bring that home to me and so you walked in the door and you've told this I think on my podcast and maybe you said a little bit of it in Ricky's episode but he walks in the door and he says what to you about drinking no about a good and godly man oh yes 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 he said that he has been a good man but he hasn't been a godly man and that now I'll be married to a godly man Mm -hmm. and what did that do in your life what what immediate effects did you see in your home um, immediate effects, immediate reaction for me was not what you think it would be. Mm-mm. And I want to tell that to the person who, this needs to be said. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> when he went through this flip of the table, if you will, it's hard for someone who's not included in the flip. Yeah. It's hard. When you're the one on your knees and you're praying for a flip, but then you're excluded from that action. And that's how it was. It's like I craved him to be this way. I wanted him to be this way. But once he was this way, I was like, is he even going to love me anymore? <laughs> like, can we have a little bit of the old Leslie? Yeah. And last, that's why I asked drinking. So the first thing that he did, I have nothing against alcohol no. at all. We, Me and Wesley believe in making, we hate whenever the church makes the church about sin and not about Christ. Yes. But for us... Infidelity, lust, pride, jealousy, chaos in our home came from a bottle. Yeah. It did. That's just us. That's why it was what had to go. Some people, it's something different. Some people, it's money or whatever. I don't know. None of my business. But I can speak for us that that was us. And so he comes home, and he's this new guy. And he's like, so I'm going to quit drinking. And he, in my eyes, he wasn't alcoholic. Like, we didn't always even have beer inside of our home. Right. And the first thing I said to him, well, do I have to, too? <laughs> She's in a rebellion stage. Though. I just thought, well, this is great, Jesus lover. But what about me? Yeah. Am I good enough anymore? I mean, it was a haughty attitude. Mm-hmm. And I was under so much attack from the devil. Because Did the, you 
have some resentment about the fact you said that you were not involved in it? Did you have some resentment about the fact that this is something that you had been praying and nagging about for months, years, and it happened to happen away from you and, and you weren't involved and you couldn't take credit for it? 100%. And that's why God did it the way that he did it. Yeah. Because it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with his power. You couldn't take any responsibility. No. I And I and it was foreign to me. And for the first time, he had to lead me because he knew something I didn't. Mm. We needed that. We needed that in our marriage. Yeah. And I had to let him be that. And he had to tell me, sit down and listen to me. And I did. But it was the it was a lot of change. And it it really shook a lot of people that watched it yeah. still does if we're being real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not, if anyone feels discouraged because someone else is really running with it and they don't feel like they are, you're not alone and your time is coming, but you need to press in even harder Yeah, because God is not a God that shows favoritism. He doesn't give one more than the next. That's right. But if you ever feel left out, <clears throat> that's the enemy telling you, there's no place for you here. You're, You're not, not important enough. here. You're not good enough here. And that's everything that Satan was telling me. But thank God I was married to a man at the time, you know, that he's like, hold up. I know how to fight this now. And yeah. I do it on my knees, not with my words. Right. And, and our, not with a bottle. No. And our whole dynamic changed. Because normally our fights were verbal and the louder we get and here we go. And it wasn't like that. He's like, ask me a question. You're involved and I love you. And I was just like, well, okay. It still wasn't good enough, right? <laughs> that had to have felt so foreign. And I want to, I just want to make sure people understand, like, it wasn't a gradual change. And so I want, you know, just like Chad talked about, it's, it is, it is where you are right now. The weekend before, I can remember it to a T. We went to a $100 dinner or whatever, and I was drunk in the middle of breaking up a fight. That was seven days. That was actually about four days prior from when I left to go do this. Uh Like, it was immediate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be gradual. It can be. Sure. But if you think you're just so bad, it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. It doesn't matter. But we didn't see anything wrong with what? No, we didn't. We're just like, oh, we're... But it's the same thing as... what everybody else does. Everybody else was there. Everybody else was there. Everybody else was there. Yeah. But it's the same thing as we talk about. You cannot explain it to people just like a love for a child. You can't explain it to you. You just have to go through it. Mm -hmm. And live it. Yeah, you have to. So whenever we talked about who sits at your table, I started researching and studying Jesus and the tables he was at particularly the last table that he was at while he was still on earth. And I was blown away at how this keys in to this particular episode. So I do want to read it, a little bit of it. Just a backstory, guys. It's going to be in Luke chapter 22. I'm going to probably start reading verse 14. But to get up here, this is about to be Passover. And Jesus goes and tells his disciples, hey, look, y'all go to this certain house. There's going to be somebody there. There's going to be a specific room, and we're going to eat Passover together says in verse 14, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat Passover with you. So that tells me two things. This table that Jesus at, he's comfortable at it. Yeah. Are you comfortable at your table? Are you reclined? Are you reclined? Right. Are you vulnerable? Mm. Do they see you in your jammies? Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. 
This is a table that Jesus sat at. That's what I want. I want to paint all these listeners this picture. He was eager to be with them. These are people you want to be with. Yes. You are not forced to be with. You want to be with. And he's about to break bread with them. And in this passage, you know, of the Lord's Supper, until this morning, y'all, I can tell you, it has whole different meaning and merit to me. It says in verse 16, um, this is the last time I eagerly desired to eat Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He then goes on throughout the next few verses and he tells them about um, the cup and the blood. He says in verse 20, this is the cup and the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So that's what this is signifying. They're, they're breaking bread together. They're eating together. And he's telling them this is the game changer. This changes everything, what I'm about to tell you and how you're going to take this in. Then I'm going to start in verse 25. It says, Then Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord, is, lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. So he's saying the ones that think they have authority, they use it to their advantage. They're higher than the rest. Mm-hmm. Verse 26 says, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves the table? It is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in trials. These people have been through it with him that are at his table. Mm -hmm. They've witnessed it. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. When I read that, y'all, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It's not about what you get from the people at your table. No. It's about what you give. It's a shared, you know, when Jesus led his disciples, he served them. They also witnessed him heal free people of demonic possession. I mean, this dude was a miracle worker in their eyes. He saw, they saw every bit of that in him, but he explains to them that the greatest of the seats isn't the fact that he should have a benefactor for being as miraculous as what he was. Instead, he's like, no, 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 no. I want to be lower. I want to serve. Right. We know there he washes their feet, you know, even to the one that will betray him. And I just, when I was reading all that to know that when it comes to being a leader, Wesley talked about how he had led people in sin. I was the exact same way. We are both, John Hurst will tell you, we are both type A people. Mm-hmm. We just are. It rarely works. It's working for 10 years. Praise God for that. <laughs> but I think that when Jesus is talking about, this is how I lead you. I'm leading you. I'm giving you my kingdom. That's the greatest thing I could ever serve you is inheritance with me. But I lead you by what I do, mm-hmm. not what I command of right. you. And when I read this, and I got to think about Wesley and the transformation and how he even leads our home, things he tolerates in friendships and what he doesn't. You know, I think about when he leads, he doesn't command. And you got to be this. You got to have this kind of truck or you got to whatever accolades or whatever. Instead, he's just like, this is who I am. And I want you to be here if you want to be, if you call to be. If you don't, I love you just the same. It's just my seats look a little different. Yeah. And that has to become okay with us. And I struggle a lot with that. He is not. Mm-mm. He loves the little bitty table. And I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah, I love everybody. everybody come over anytime. <laughs> yeah, y'all know how I am. 
But when I saw that and I read that, I just thought, man, the guy I'm married to really displays those things. Yeah. To be like, he's the guy when you need something, you call him. If he says he'll be there, he will be. That's right. Um, he's going to give you his all. He's not going to give you part. But who he who he serves is just, he's a selective man. And um, I think that when Jesus chose his ones that he was reclined with, he was selective too. Mm-hmm. Even though they all had faults. All of them. All of our people at our table have faults because guess what we do? There's only one at our table that doesn't, and that's why he runs the show. That's right. Is It It says, it actually uses the word reclined in yours? Yes, mm-hmm. mine does. I, I love that because I feel like you should be comfortable enough in your walk when wherever you go to, you should be able to recline as yourself. Right. And that was my problem before flipping of my table is... Whenever I went somewhere, I wanted to transform. I wanted to adapt. I wanted to... Be fun. Yeah, be fun. You know, I, I I couldn't be myself in certain situations. But now I feel comfortable enough in my faith where I want somebody to look at me and say, what, what are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. What are you listening to? Or, you know, what are you humming? I mean, anything, you know. Um, and I like it that it says recline, though, because that's... That's how we should walk out every day, and we should be comfortable wherever we're at right. because we know we know where we're at. And we also know that the people at our table are going to challenge us, and they're, they're going to stretch oh, us. Yeah. They're and gonna... hold you to accountability. You know, I think right. about how many times have we been reclined or not been reclined in front of godly people because that wasn't our comfort because it was fake. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you can't recline and be yourself, it's because yourself isn't really yourself. You're living two lives. That's mm-hmm. right. I know that hat all too well. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think when it comes to being comfortable with who's at your table is, are you really being yourself at it? Mm-hmm. I agree. When I started thinking about um, who sits at my table or the, the roles each person has at my table, I kind of came up with a few things. And so um, for me, I'm going to have an encourager. I'm going to have a challenger. I'm going to have... A person of consistency. I'm going to have a helper and I'm going to have a listener. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more I'm forgetting, but those are big for me. But I was doing some research and um, we have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Whoa. 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day, 80% of which are negative. I believe it. Yeah. So the encourager carries some weight for me because I'm going to overtake myself in negativity pretty easily. But I need you to be telling me, no, this is what the Bible says about who you are. This is, you're loved, you're adored. This is the path that you've been shown. This is what God has given you. I'm going to remind you of some things that we talked about six weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like needing this person to pour into me and say, no, everything that you're telling yourself about following and worth and value, that's false. All of it is false. Your worth is in God. Your worth is in your home. Okay, like Mm -hmm. between your four walls. That's huge. Um, The challenger is going to check me, stretch me, give me some uncomfortable feedback. And I'm going to have to have a relationship with that person that is of grace giving to the person who's giving me the feedback. Like I cannot get my feelings hurt and back away and say, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm going to have to have a person in my life who can challenge me and me say, you know what? I'm going to take that home and I'm going to think about that and I'm not going to get upset about it. Because I know that your heart is pure and that you're, you value me as a person. You care about the outcome of my situation. The consistency. 
you need your friends who are there all the time. Um, this is also the friend, though, that you can pick up the phone and, and pick up right back where you left off. You haven't talked to him in six months, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know that that friend is always there. Um, the helper is there every time. It's a Wesley. It's a, hey, my, I need to change this tire. Or, hey, I um, have this situation and I need you to just pray. I need you to just pray. Sometimes helping is just praying, right? Um, but always there at the drop of a hat, what can I do? And also the helper makes my problem their problem. Oh. Like they wear that. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to get out of hand with that because some people need to just carry their own problems and, and handle it. But I think the helper needs to carry it in a way that can say, all right, let's think about this from a different perspective and figure out how we can go about this a different way. Um, and then the listener speaks for itself. I need somebody who's just going to pick up the phone and answer answer when I call so that they can just listen to what I'm saying and me vent or ask questions or any of it. Yeah. I pray I like that. that we can all be all of those. Yeah. Yeah. To whoever we're at the table with. Yeah. Because we should be. That's right. We should be. And thank you, Lord, that you are all of them, Jesus. Amen. And that he you is, get to sit at the head. That's it. And that's why he orchestrates our lives. He has to, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. He's the one because he knows all. Something that came so fierce to me through prayer about this interview and this episode was the importance of prayer over your table. Um, We can sit at this table. We can recline at this table pretty easily. We can Mm -hmm. be whoever it is we want to be. But it requires prayer on our part about who sits at the table, what they have going on in their lives. They have their own tables. And so not only do we need to be expectant to receive, but just as you said earlier, it's not about what we get out of it. It's about what we're giving to it. And so we have some actionable steps at our table to pray over those who sit there. But it's also important to remember that you are being prayed about by someone who doesn't have you at their table yet. Someone wants you at their table and they don't know your name maybe, but they want something that you have. They want a praying friend. They want a helper. They want a listener. They want Jesus. They want a challenger. Yeah, they want Jesus. And so they're praying about you being a part of their table too. And so not only should you be praying about those at your table, but you should also realize the heaviness that you're also being prayed for by those at your table and those who don't have you at their table yet. Or maybe the tables from prior mm-hmm. are praying over you. So when you had the flip of the table at Emmaus, um, what did the men look like that were help helping you that weekend? And do you still have contact with them today? I do have contact with them. I have contact with several of them. Uh, the two main guys that I talked about earlier, one is a fire investigator um, up in the panhandle, and he was my table leader. <coughs> He's a manly man. He had a testimony that rocked my world. Um, he had a testimony that would make anybody reflect on their life and really be like, if this guy had this go on in his life and he's still able to follow God, and still sharing with people how God is great, even though this happened in his life, I need to figure out more about him. Mm-hmm. And he he was my encourager, you know. Um, he didn't, he wasn't a big pushy guy, but he just, man, he knew how to encourage me in ways that, um, in ways that I needed. And the other one, he's 
you can't help but smile when you think of him. And he was our worship leader. And believe it or not, he is, I don't know, Shelby, you think 60? We don't talk about age on I'm here. I'm sorry <laughs> if I offended you there, Bill. But uh, he's somewhere around 60 years old. And he loves rattle. He loves the blessing. Mm-hmm. And they sing karaoke style. Don't get that twisted. Because it is magical. Um, it's him and another guy, but but he was the one. I just felt like he was talking to me, you know. I just felt like, and I really didn't have that much connection with him at that moment. Yeah. But when I came back to help later on at different walks, he was there also, and then that's where we really got connected. Tell um, me about the worship, though, because that was your first time to really ever worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The worship is really what changed my perspective. And the reason is... I heard hymns my whole life. Yeah. I heard very, well, let me take that back. I heard several um, worship type songs whenever I was in the car with Shelly and the kids. I hear Mav singing it. I didn't listen to it outside of her car. Sure. And so these songs would come on and they'd have the words on the screens up there. And this man wearing clothes just like me, he has a, Flyers uh, on his belt all the time. It's a funny story of that, but he he was just like any of us. And I was like, it's really puzzling me now. You know, I I thought in my small mind that you couldn't be a normal person that somebody looked up to and lived a normal life uh-huh. and loved Jesus the way this guy's portraying himself to. Now I know God aligned it to let me see him later on in my life to make sure he was what he showed himself to be that weekend. Does that make sense? Yeah. I needed that affirmation. Mm -hmm. But he sung the song Rattle. And there was, I had, we had a group, we've got a group message with a bunch of guys. And I shared this with them one time because there's one line in Rattle whenever it gets sung no matter by who, no matter if I'm listening to it on the radio or anything, I get tears in my eyes because this particular line talked, it was talking about me and it talked to me. And everybody out there needs to understand that that this can be you. But it says, Resurrection power runs in my veins too. And it says, I believe there's another miracle here in this room. And that that line right there changed my life in a perspective. Because whenever he was singing it, and if he would look at me, I knew that he knew that he was serving a God that I could be that miracle in that room. Yeah. And it turned out I was a miracle in that room. And there were several more men involved in that room as well. But... And I, I shared that story with our group message with our guys one time. But, you know, it means so much more to me than it does other people. And everybody should have that one thing that just touches them. Um, but everybody should look at their life like that. You know what? It doesn't matter if you're in a room in your house, room at work, wherever it is. Right then, you can be that miracle in that room. Yeah. The person sitting next to you can. It's 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 all about how you want to look at it and 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 who you belong to. You belong to the world or you belong to Christ. The world isn't giving you miracles. I'm just telling you. Right. It's not happening. So you came home from that trip 
totally transformed. Your table was flipped. You walked in at home and declared some things over your home and your family to say, this is going to, this is going to change in my life and it's going to change in yours too. But then you mentioned just a few seconds ago that you went back to further walks. I did. But you helped. I did. What did that look like? So you got to see the backstage of it. Mm -hmm. There's so many things going on, so many working parts that we don't see as you're participating in the walk. But as you help, you get to see all these working parts and you get to see an even greater love and a greater um, servant mentality from not just the say about uh, 15 people in the room hundreds yeah bringing food cooking washing your dishes making your bed taking your trash out getting all these things together putting trinkets on your pillow every time you're not at your bed i wear this and never taken a day, day off in my life mm-hmm. for the past 2 years because it means that much i want to make sure i can look back down at my wrist and say I went through something that changed me. I'm not going back. I was the next miracle. In yeah, the realm. that's right. I'm yeah. not going back. Why would I go back? Right. Why would I turn the page backwards? Um, but it was. It was eye-opening to even more of Christ's love and what it is to be a servant, you know, in His kingdom. And and I feel like that changed. At every time we go, it seems like it changes a little bit more. And and we want to come back and be more servant around here because. We want it to move. Sure. We've seen something there that we've never seen anywhere else. And we want it to immediately move. Yeah. And we prayed about it. And then God started filling the seats at our table. And that's when that calmed down said, oh. And we, we needed to bring here. it here. Sometimes you need to bring it there. Sometimes you're the first one in your home. Sometimes the first one in your family. And the stand and the change that you make has to it's not just about building yourself up transforming yourself it has to reflect your surrounding Mm -hmm. so if we weren't going to move and go to it we had to bring it to us because the same god that we serve that you met on the sea of galilee is the same god that he serves that he met that day same god that i serve that's right same god we all serve it's not these places no that are special it's the the sovereign majestic god that we serve that is and he can meet you right now today wherever you're at and how important it is to know that sometimes it just takes being seven hours away from your family in a snowstorm in the quiet like it just takes getting one-on-one time in your car with it raining or it snowing and you just being with god just listen just listen i'm so bad about jacking up the praise music or listening to a podcast and that's something that I've had to encourage myself to do more of is just sit in the silence lately just to see like what are you speaking to me what am I not hearing what am I missing because of the noise sometimes it just takes quiet Mm -hmm. and things can change and sometimes he can talk to you in a crowded room with everyone shouting and he can whisper to you and you'll hear it yeah um it just it just depends on the way that your ears are tuned what do you say to the person who uh, is tuned in and they want what you have, they see something in what you have, how would you tell them how easy it is to access? I'm going to steal a line from The Chosen. If you give God a try, 
and it doesn't work out, you can take all your sorrows back. Mm-hmm. Take all your shame back. Sure. Take it all back, just right back to you. And it's that easy. It's that easy as handing it over to Christ. And and, and whoever you need to talk to to understand what it takes, which is this much. All you have to do is open your heart and tell God that you are sorry and you repent for what you've done and you want to live life according to His life. And you want Him to be in your life every day and you want to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And once you do that, you can change your life. And it's not automatic. Right. It's not. You have to take action yourself. You have to. You have to be bold in your faith like we talked about earlier. You have to be somewhere and not transform to everybody around you. You have to go there and be yourself that you were at home in front of your wife who you're telling you're changing. You have to be that same person Mm -hmm. at the workplace, at the store, anywhere else. But, I mean, it is that easy. And the thing is, you'll never talk to a true believer Christian. I want to say that firmly because there is, the numbers say there's God knows how many Christians in the world. But a true believer Christian, if they've turned their life over to Christ, I promise you can't find one that wanted to go back and revert to their old ways. You can't find it. The facts are there. Yeah. You know, why Why wouldn't you? There's freedom. There's peace. Yes. Belonging. Eternity. Eternity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, I feel like sometimes people are like, well, I want to do, meet this God man, and I want him to come in my life because I want this. Okay, he's not a genie, and what he gives you to not burn in hell for eternity is enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve. Thankfully, this word says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We have hope. You know, he gives us these things. I want, John ten ten. I want you to have life to the fullest. I want the fullness of life, but God does not owe me anything. That's right. And you're putting him in a box. Yeah. If yes. you're thinking, That's right. okay, this is, this is what he can give me mm-hmm. because he's going to give you infinitely more than that. Mm-hmm. Tenfold, depending yep. on your right, your uh, motive. I think that that changes a lot of perspective in people too, and that's why they put on a facade of "I'm going to play Christian" because I'm going to get some sort of gain from who. Right. Maybe it's acceptance from church people. Maybe it's your wife thinking that you're a better man, but then you're, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. you, you. Are you back and forth, or are you mm-hmm. stone? Yeah. yeah, and it starts with you. You know what I mean? Your 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 table isn't going to change if you don't change. Just like you talked about earlier, you you can't love somebody to the fullest if you don't understand how to love yourself and how Jesus loves you. That's right. And you can't you can't ask everybody else to come to your table and then change you. You change, your table changes, you have Christ at the center of it, and guess what happens then? Your kids' table changes. That's right. Your kids pass on to your grandkids generational changes. that's right Ten Thousand reasons it yes. sings it you know it has the was it in songs i believe but it it's so powerful to me you know and that's another song it just it breaks me down mm-hmm. um because it does it talks about generations oh you're talking about the blessing oh i'm sorry the blessing yeah yes. yeah yeah the blessing and, and Ten Thousand reasons it also says you know and i wrote down you know it's so funny because you hear 40 men singing loud. Shelly can, like, 
loud and it's a very small room and so it's really funny and it really lets you let your guard down you know when you start seeing a lot of grown men just they're partying but in a different way right you know and and that song is always so funny to me because it says i'll sing like never before Uh well there was 40 men singing like (laughs) never before and, you know, and then after that, you know, it talks about, first in there, it talks about dying. It talks about when your strength is weakening. and mm-hmm. But at that time, you will sing his praise for 10,000 years and forevermore. And, forevermore. and it goes back to the eternity deal. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you're a Christian, you're a Christ follower, and it's final, as final as I mean death, and it's not good, you weren't a Christian. Right. If it's final and you're a Christian, it's good. There's no other way around it because you're in heaven. I love that you brought up the generational thing because a lot of times we think about, oh, gosh, you know, when it, whenever I'm ready to make this decision, whenever I'm ready to have him as my Lord and Savior. But it is not just you that you're affecting. People are watching the way that you react. Your kids are watching the way that you react. Your kids' kids will be affected by this decision because of the way that you've chosen to lead your family. The, the rooms that you've chosen to walk your family into that you didn't before. Maybe you've never been to church. Um, but generations will change because of this decision. Generations will change because of who your kids see at your table. Mm-hmm. Because of the decisions made at that table. Um, the ways that that table reacts to situations and the ways that that table prays aloud. You know, like the ways that it that this table lives together. Like, yeah. When we think about our tables, we do life together. We do. Yeah. And we, we do it, the time. good stuff and the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. It all comes out at the table. Yeah. I think that just from speaking of experience of the tables, of the transformation, I want to touch on one thing, and that's that when you let God pick who sits at your table, it's not necessarily who you would have picked. The people closest to me, they don't have the same hobbies as me. They don't dress like me. They don't even like the same foods as me sometimes. But they serve the same God as me. They trust in the same Jesus as me, and they possess the same Holy Spirit as me. Those have to be a must. I agree. Yeah. No, if you're seeking a friend and you want to make sure you have something to talk about, if you can't talk about God, you know what I mean? If mm-hmm. if you can talk about hobbies, like you say, and everything else, but if you're looking for something to talk about and it can't be God. That's truly reclining. That yeah, is. that is. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Breaking down the walls exactly and just right. saying, all right, we're going to get down to mm-hmm. it. This will be, be hard for some people. It's not that hard for me to say, but... Whenever, whenever you fulfill your table, I feel like you know what I mean. Like whenever your whenever your seats are full, people have to realize that those people at your table, that is your family. Mm-hmm. That that's your brothers and sisters. That is in a sense who you seek out first and foremost. If it's your parents, great, you know, at that table. If it's not, you have to come to realization that blood family doesn't necessarily mean Christian family. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us 
I mean, it's Christian family. Is first. Yeah, what you inherit is is different than the eye color. When you enter into the kingdom of God, your people are different, and they go into eternity with you, whereas your earthly people may not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They may perish. Mm-hmm. And you need to know where you're going, know where your kids are going, know where your spouse is going if you want to see them in eternity. And you can't look on the heart. We know that. But you can see their fruits that they bear. So you can establish Christ-like following amongst the people that you're closest to. And once your other things pass away, such as your life even, or your hobbies, once that's done, was that relationship done? Because if you share Jesus, it never is. And I think that that's so rewarding in what we have now, Mm -hmm. including our marriage. I know that it was a game changer for me when I learned that I could pray that the Spirit speak to him words that I can't. Yeah. I don't, I used to pray, Lord, give me the words. And he's like, I don't need yours because I got my own. And they I speak to his like heart. Nags. Yeah. And I speak to his heart. Yeah. You really don't. So, but to know that I have a covenant with him amongst all the trash that has been in our marriage in 10 years, there's a lot of trash, but not because the blood of Jesus has covered it all. And right. he is the restorer. He is the redeemer. He is the covenant. He is the person that has welded us together and he binds us with one another and I think that there's nothing else that we if we couldn't share anything else we share Jesus yeah and that's more than I ever thought we would ever have yeah right. you know what I mean right just never thought mm-hmm. because it doesn't start out that way and that's why I no. always encourage people that before they go into marriage see how you are yoked like what because those are things I didn't do he was a good man he looked good and he made good money and he was a it was a go. Like, I loved him. Mm-hmm. We were in love. And I'm going to tell you what, that girl back then has no clue how much she loves the man that she married. Right. And I hope that in 10 more years, that's completely different. Yeah. Too. You know, and I think that that's what God wants because the, th- the thing about marriage is it's a reflection of God's relationship with us. It's meant to be that way. That's why right. we're called the bride of Christ. A covenant. I like to use the saying that I that I uh, texted y'all earlier. You know, more is caught than taught. Oh yeah. And where where that came from? I think Brandon Lake made a reel or whatever, and he was watching uh, a worship service going on, and his boy he was holding his little boy with him, and somebody was videoing from behind him, and that's his little boy is catching more by watching more than Brandon trying to that's preach right. to him. You know what I mean? And so when you talk about a marriage walking out in that public eye, you better be walking the walk. That's right. Or you're not going to have anybody following. It's not going to happen. No. If, you know. Because um, we don't want anyone to cling to us. We want them to cling to the Jesus right. in us. That's yeah. right. If anyone want, is, yeah. We just want the question why me. or what. Sure. What is it that. Please ask. Yeah, yeah that's all. <laughs> yeah. And, and people think we're silly. I believe in, I got a shirt that says, Jesus saves, bro. Um, What's that older man that had that, asked me about Jesus Christ on his yeah, cap or yeah, something? Yeah. I was like, that's, but you know, that's forward. So but I bold. feel like I wear those because I want somebody to ask, mm-hmm. why? Like, why are you wearing that? Okay. But we're, you also better yeah. watch how you live when you wear that. Oh, like, yeah, It's such a sure. reminder. Because <laughs> a lot of people put on this hat. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, Mm-hmm. That's not what you were wearing yesterday. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's to the point, like, that's what I, 
And I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. Absolutely. Whoever is. And grace is important. That's right. But we do our best to be the, the seat at the table that God wants us to be, to be surrounded by the people that we want us to be. Any last words? <laughs> Not that I can think of. I think we've said just about everything. Was it as bad as what you thought it would be? No, it wasn't bad. <laughs> I was nervous. I didn't want to cry on here. You did? But, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's Remind good. him. And I do, I mean, because that's how I know. Shelly will tell you. I mean, that's how I know when the Holy Spirit is present with me. Yeah. He, he oh, shows yeah. through me through tears. Emotion. Yeah. And... Like I say, just talking about some things. I knew I would. Some of those people have a strong hold on my heart. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing. Obviously, I told you at the beginning this was a no-brainer for both of us. It was you all along. Um, and so I knew that you would bring the heat, and you did, of course. So I'm really excited to see what God does with this episode. I um, am in prayer for all of our tables and the ways that that, that will change because it will change again. And obviously there's flips in, pro- in progress. We've all talked about it that we didn't expect with this stinking Bible study. I know. But here we are feeling the flips. So um, thank you for joining us. Make sure you follow A Slice of Caradice, Impact Over Influence. Also, I want to say if you're in a situation where you feel like you want some guidance, you want somebody to talk to about this, maybe you're a dude, Wesley Zan on talk Facebook. Yeah. Find him. Reach out to either one of our pages. We'll be happy to talk to you. Um, If we don't have the source, we'll find the source for you, give you everything we got. Um, But just make sure that you're being transparent with yourself. Really think about who's sitting at your table. Mm -hmm. All right. See you next week.